raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Welcome to Willpower. With the first African-American and first woman to hold the register of Will's office in the city of Philadelphia, the Honorable Tracy L. Gordon, a mother, an educator, and community leader. When there's a will, your family keeps the power. This show will set the discourse for your family to plan for the future and extend the family legacy. Call your family and friends and tell them to tune in for a journey into their generational wealth. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Madam Register, the Honorable Tracy L. Gordon. My name is Tracy L. Gordon. I'm the Register of Wills here in the city of Philadelphia. And today's episode number 14 is a continuation of an earlier episode, Myths versus Truths of Making a Will. And today we have a guest attorney, Attorney George Gossett Jr., and this is part two. Good morning, George. Good morning, Register. And once again, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. Um, before we get started, just introduce yourself and tell our listening audience a little bit about your background and what you do at the register and also um, your background in estate planning. Sure, thank you. Um, well, my name is George Gossett, Jr. I'm a licensed attorney. I've been practicing in the city of Philadelphia for about 25 years now. I started out at the district attorney's office uh, back in 98. Uh, currently, I am the orphans court. Uh, manager. So if you have to file uh, any filings in the orphan's court, if there's some uh, appeals from the Register of Wills office or some issues that need to actually go in front of a common police court judge pertaining to your estate, you would be filing in my in my area. And we look at all the filings and make sure that they are correct uh, before they go, before they actually assign to the judges. Uh, with regards to estate planning, I've been representing uh, various clients for a good part of my career, helping them with their uh, wills, their power of attorneys, and uh, I'm starting to do a lot of work now with uh, individuals that are, are going into into nursing homes. So I'm sort of that uh, I'm in that middle middle age gap now, whereas I'm actually raising children and also uh, caring for seniors. So there are a lot of people that are coming to me now that that find themselves in that same position. Yeah, and actually, you know, the baby boomers are you know within the next. 20 years, uh, uh, there's going to be a lot of generational wealth and the trillions that's going getting ready to be passed down. And we want to make sure the Philadelphians are prepared. Our first episode of Myth versus Truth went so well, we had to have another one. And so my goal here is after this episode, you and your family can feel more confident making a will and understanding how making a will can not only pass along generational wealth to your family, but make the probate process less stressful to your family. <clears throat> if you want to listen to back, listen back to part one, you can catch us up, uh, catch our episodes on all podcasts, streaming platforms like Apple, Spotify. So let's talk about myth number one. Making a will is forever. So you can make updates to your existing will or make an entirely new will at any point during your lifetime. It is encouraged to update your will when you gain a new asset, you have a child, you lose a child. Um, 
if you need minor updates to a will. Let's talk about the process, um, George, when you need, you have a will and you want to update it. Maybe a child died. Maybe you want to change some aspects of your will. Maybe you just had another baby. Maybe you just got married. Maybe you just got divorced. Sure. So we need to look at our wills as, as living and, and breathing documents. So as part of, as things change in your life, various updates should be made to your will. If we if we take the position that everyone should have a will, then age 25, 26 years old, you're going into the work world. You're probably going to stay in that work world for at least a good 40 years. So there's going to be different things that are going to change within your life during that 40-year period. And as those things happen, th- there need to be changes we call them in law amendments uh, to the actual will. And you just want to write them down. Now, if you're making so many different changes and amendments, at some point you might want to just say, okay, well, I need to just write a new will because everything that I wrote 10 years ago, is in, there's been significant changes with regards to that. So you can amend an existing will or, if need be, just add or, or just create a, a whole new document that speaks to whatever you, whatever's going on in your life at that particular time. Because the last thing that we want is when you do ultimately expire, you've got a 50-year-old will that doesn't really speak to where things were in your life at the time in which you passed. Perfect. We have another myth that people think, they say, like, I don't need an advanced health care directive. My children know what I want. I talk to my children. And say, for instance, one of your children may know what you want. Mm-hmm. However, if you have more than one child, multiple children, the others may be able to outvote you, uh, outvote the one that's trying to follow your wishes. So more importantly, if the time comes to remove you from a respirator, um, having your wishes in writing will give your children peace of mind and a clear conscience to carry out your uh, wishes. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about advanced health care directives. Well, the advanced health care directives come into place when you're in a position that you can't make decisions for yourself. So maybe you're in a coma or... Maybe you've had a significant uh, stroke or, or a cardiovascular incident that stops you from being able to tell uh, the doctors or the, or, or the nursing facility, this is what I want done in the event that I can't make decisions. It's an extreme burden to place that obligation on your children. Uh, your children are going to be grieving. They're going to be suffering. They're going to be very upset because you are in that condition. So to put a child in a position that they have to make this decision is a little unfair to that child. So you want to take the time and say, listen, you know, if I'm in this particular position, don't resuscitate. Uh, don't give me uh, a force feeding and, and, and things of that nature. So once again, it just goes back to the planning, sitting down, having the, the what I like to call the uncomfortable conversation. Nobody wants to talk about death. Nobody wants to talk about their demise or being in a situation where they can't make decisions for themselves. But that is the reality. The reality of it is there's a time for us to be here and there's a time for us to leave. So we have to sit down and figure out what is the best case scenarios when those times come upon us because they're, they're going to come, you know, that's just the reality of it. So uh, when I sit down with my clients, you know, the first question is what is it that you want? And a lot of people just have not sat down and spent that time with themselves to figure out exactly what they want. But I encourage my clients, this is what you have to do. I know oftentimes people um, get a will and a living will and power attorney mixed up. So let's 
briefly talk about that because I know we talked about that in past episodes, but I do want to emphasize. Sure. A power attorney, it ends when you die. They have no authority over any decisions over your estate as power attorney because once you take your last breath, that uh, uh, that power is gone. So let's just talk about these three. We're going to talk about the power attorney you need. We're going to talk about the will that you need. And we're going to talk about the living will that you need. So briefly, let's talk to the sure. audience about those three. So the power of attorney and the living will are very similar in terms of uh, the power. You're giving somebody a control over you while you are still alive. The power of attorney tends to deal with business things. Who's going to run your business? Who's going to pay your bills? Who's going to do your banking? Who's going to deal with your real estate transactions? So when you think power of attorney, think somebody is actually, I need this document to take care of my business in the event that I am not able to. The living will is the document that's used to control your body. So in the event that you are still with us, you're still alive, but you're not in a position to make decisions concerning your body, then you need the living will. And then the actual will itself, that's when you are no longer here. So you're dead and you need uh, somebody to make those decisions in terms of who gets what. So power of attorney and living will, you're still alive. One document controls your business. The other document controls your actual body. And the actual will is you're no longer here, and this is how this is where you want your stuff to go. And that person is the executor. Correct. And the power attorney can possibly be your executor as well. You may make, <clears throat> for instance, your daughter your power attorney and also make your executor. But I want people to know this because every time, <clears throat> excuse me, we bring this up, I get the audience is like, oh, because I know they can think back when maybe their mother or father died and their sister or brother was a power attorney and they still are making these decisions, which legally is not correct. So another thing, another myth, my children won't fight over our estate. Um, you know, it's, I just got one child or two children and they get along. <clears throat> Death often brings out the worst in people. Fights between siblings happen more often than you would like to think. A family can easily splinter with the loss of a matriarch or patriot. Take control and address potential issues while you are still alive and make a will to avoid petty fights. And I I I have seen petty fights and I have seen I have seen fights that would draw anyone to tears um when there is no will. Let's talk about some of those instances that you've seen. <laughs> well, I, I have seen <clears throat> countless fights uh, over what many, from the looking from the outside, would seem to be over frivolous items. I've seen people fight over toasters, sugar bowls. Uh, pictures. Pictures. Um, and, the, you know, the reality of it is this. Even with wills, I've seen fights. Without wills, is the, the fights just go to, to an infinite level. And more uh, expensive. <laughs> absolutely. So uh, you're never going to be able to totally discount or, or just make sure there are no fights that happen. 
But I will tell you this, though. If you really want to limit the, the, the level of, uh, of animosity, uh, please write a will, especially with those major assets, the cars, the houses, or the house, uh, you know, significant uh, pieces of jewelry, fur coats, all of those things, you know, like I said, nobody wants to talk about it, but you have to do it because if you don't do it, you are seriously putting a burden on your children. And I think that if, if I could talk to folks that know that they're going to be uh, losing a loved one and you've got some issues going on with your brothers and sisters or cousins or whatever, try to patch some of those things up before uh, the person passes away. You know, have those conversations. Thanksgiving is coming up. You know, let's 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 try to get these things patched up in our community. Sometimes, if you could just sit down and and break bread, a, a lot of that family uh, turmoil can be healed uh, before the actual passing away. So, I really want to implore people. You know, if you can do that, please work at work at doing this stuff because not only is a financial uh, burden, but it's it's a spiritual burden. And I will tell you this: um, fighting amongst families costs a lot of money um with the will you know they can fight if they want to but with a with a a, a, a a sound will pretty much it would they may fight but your wishes will be granted you know and that's why we tell you to make the will so it eliminate the expense that's going to cost without the will another myth um that people believe that um, the will will expire unless it's filed immediately. So in Pennsylvania, um, you cannot register your will. Your will, we do not see your will until you die. <clears throat> so you must leave your will in a safe place. Let somebody know where your will is. Best practice, and I think you would agree with me, George, is to make a copy of the will because sometimes those original wills are lost. Um and just you don't have to tell your family everything that you want, everything that you put in your will. You don't have to. Um, um, so what's your opinion on that one? I agree with what you said. You definitely need to uh, have copies of the will and um, make sure you give information in terms of whoever's going to be handling your state, where the will is. Uh, safe deposit boxes are, 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 are a good place to put wills. If you have a banking, well, if you have a bank, and you should have a bank, uh, you might want to put your important documents in the safe deposit box. Uh, with regards to uh, making sure, and, and I tell clients this all the time, make sure whoever's going to be handling your business knows where your documents are. Don't be hiding stuff, you know. Sometimes I've seen situations where people hide. They're so intent on hiding things from their family members, they forget where the documents are themselves. So, And and also, let them know that they're going to be your executor mm-hmm. or your executrix, and that's the person that's going to do the business. Uh, oftentimes, people come and say, hey, my aunt left me as an uh, executrix, and I never knew that I was. Right. So it's best to let them know so they can tell you, hey, maybe I don't want to do it. Um, for instance, in the case of the state of Aretha Franklin, she uh, made her niece the executrix, and at some point, the niece decided, hey, I don't want to uh, be uh, in charge of this uh, of, uh, this responsibility anymore. And she withdrew um, um, her authority of being an executrix. That's why in the will, 
it's often a best practice to name an alternative just in case that person can't be found or that person does not want to do it. Um, another thing is in the state of Pennsylvania, again, you do not register your will. We don't see the will until you die. Now, in other states, like, for instance, in Maryland, um, is an option in the state of Georgia that you can pay an additional fee to register your weight, your, your will. Um, a will never expires, and it becomes valid once probated in my office at the Register of Wills. So let's talk about estate planning is only for wealthy people. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I guess that's why we have so many tangled titles, because mm-hmm. people believe that, hey, I only got that one row house, uh, I only had one child or my child that I want to have this house that I verbally promised this house to is, is, is you know, I, I don't need to have a will. I don't have anything. You know, people equate the word estate with wealthy people. What is a estate, George? Well, estate is everything that you owned at the time in which you passed. So it's your bank accounts. It's your clothes. It's your vehicle. It's your house. Uh, it's your artwork. It's uh, uh, v- various things that may have been passed down from you, dishes, uh, whatever you own. And, and I think a lot of people never take a true inventory of what they own. That's what your estate is. And it could be your ownership interest in somebody else's property. It could be your ownership interest in your your mother's property or your father's or your grandparents' property. Like you might have some land that was left to you Absolutely. down south. I hear right. that all the time. Air property. Air, air property, yes. <laughs> so. And so estate is not, you know, everybody at some point in their life has an estate. Mm-hmm. And by the way, um, you can, uh, uh, what's the age that you can make a will? 18. 18, 18 years, years of age. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. So we have... Uh, for those of you, uh, we always recommend that you um, hire an attorney. And for those of you who all have um, low income or moderate income, you can call our office at 215-686-6250 to get the list of attorneys uh, or legal uh, agencies that help you make wills. Or you can email us any questions that you may have in regards to any of the things that we talked about today at Online at Phila.gov. That's row online at p h i l a dot g o v. Here's another myth. This is a big one. I'm too young to be creating a uh, will or planning my estate. Um, we just told you it was 18 years old. Um, let's talk about that because so many, uh, you know, you don't know when you're going to die. It could unexpectedly happen. You know. Um, yeah. Your chances of dying by a meteorite coming down is, is is far off. But, hey, you don't know when you're going to die. So when should people make wills? Well, this this goes back to, to what I say, the, the uncomfortable conversation. And this might be one of the most, if not the most uncomfortable conversation when we have to think about a young person dying. Uh, we don't even want to think about ourselves dying, let alone somebody, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. But the, the earliest time in which you can write a will is is age 18. And it becomes a question as to, well, what is what exactly do I own and, and who I would who I would want to leave it leave it to in the event of, of my demise. Uh and a lot of times in a situation like that, it probably would be a parent or maybe a, a younger sibling. 
Uh, but or it, it a just child. Depends. You maybe have a child at that's, 18. That's true also. So it, it really just it, it really just becomes a, a situation of just taking self-inventory of your life throughout different stages and, and really looking at what I have and and where it needs to go in the event that I'm no longer here. Exactly. So estate planning is more than planning for your death. It should also be about preparing for your future life, including potential and capacity. Naming people that you want to make financial and medical decisions for you if you lose the ability may help your family and caretakers down the line. Nominating people that you prefer to serve as your guardians or your conservators, if needed, also protects children or other dependents when you can't be there for them. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about if you pass away and you have minor children. Uh, let's talk about how they end up inheriting things, and let's talk about why you should plan that. Sure. Well, you know, one of the, one of the points that I want to make also is when you talk about planning, and we're, we're talking business at this point, don't get all caught up in your emotions. You may have a family member that you really love and y'all have a good time and y'all two-step and, you know, eat chicken wings together and really have a good old time, but that may not be the person that needs to be in charge of the business. You know, if they're not taking business, taking care of business in their everyday life in, in, in the capacity in which you know them, please do not be of the mindset because you pass away, they're automatically just going to morph into this wonderful, uh, responsible business person. So keep that in mind. Now, with regards to your children, if you pass away and you have things that you want to leave your children, your children are not adults at the time in which you pass, then they're going to have to have some type of guardian that's going to control those assets that you have, in fact, left to them. So not only uh, do you have to figure out what, what type of um, lifestyle you want to leave your children, but you also need to be thinking about who will be the guardian of these things that I am, uh, I am leaving to my children. And it may not necessarily be your spouse or your significant other. So you, there, there's a lot of, of thinking and planning that has to go along with this and you got to do it. You know, it's just that simple. We can have, we can come here every week and say, you know, these are the different options, but at some point you have to sit down with yourself and say, I've got to put these things in place. And let's talk about it being a business because <clears throat> the state of Pennsylvania made it a business that you need to get car insurance mm -hmm. to protect the liability of not only yourself but others, just in case. When you purchase a home, the banks is already going to make sure that they take out that home insurance just in case a liability occurs to protect not only yourself but protect the bank and also to protect a person that may be harmed in and around your house. Life insurance. You're encouraged to get a life insurance because you want to leave money. So, so your funeral expenses, so your family don't have to do a GoFundMe. The best insurance, the best business decision that you will make is to make in a will. That's the insurance to protect your future generational wealth. It protects your families, and it gives your family the ability to get the necessary legal paperwork so they can go and get the assets that you have left to them. So talk about more of it as a business because this is the problem that I see 
not only in the state of Pennsylvania, but throughout the country, because only 32% of Americans have wills. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is the thing. If, if you don't look at it as a business, if you don't sit down and, and, and make these decisions, at some point the state is going to get involved. If You know, if, if you... If the state gets involved, you lo- possibly lose the possibility of of losing your your assets. If you do not pay real estate taxes on your on your on your properties or properties that you own and you passed away, eventually they're going to end up in a sheriff's cell. Uh, if you uh, do not um, claim certain um, uh, things of value. We, there's a process called ESHEAT, E-S-C-H-E-A-T, and that literally means the state will take control, will take ownership of your of your properties, of your money, <laughs> if you uh, if you do not uh, put, put put some things in place to deal with this. So if you're not going to take care of business, the state will take care of that business for you, and you are going to end up on the losing side of it. And I always time. say. There's two wills. It's the mm-hmm. one you make, and it's the one that the state already made for you, and that's called intestate. Absolutely. And people believe another myth. It doesn't matter if I have a will because no one will follow it. Some people believe that even if they have a will, their families or the court will disregard it and do whatever they please. But if you have a valid will, your lawful wishes must be followed to the greatest extent possible. That is the law. There are, however, some circumstances when your wishes might not be followed, but these can usually be avoided with the proper planning. For example, your will might not be followed if it's rejected because it's invalid. For example, you didn't sign it. Um, You don't necessarily have to have a witness, but we always say best practice to witnesses. Your will will not be followed if they can't find it, if no one knew it existed. You didn't tell anyone that it existed. If it's conflicts with and is overruled by certain state laws, for example, in some states, your spouse is entitled to a certain share of your property, even if you try to give them less in your will. Talk about some of those myths, George. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things in Pennsylvania is it's very hard to disinherit a spouse. Some people say, well, I'm just going to write my spouse out, but there are actual uh, laws in place that will transfer at least 30% of, of your actual estate. 33 and a third. 33 and a third <laughs> to, <laughs> to your spouse. Uh, you might say, well, I'm, I'm going to leave everything to my dog because I don't really like my kids. You know, they, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. So they'll look at that will and say, okay, well, you can't leave your estate to the dog no matter how much you like the dog. So we're going to cross all of that language out. And if there's no other language for this, for the judge to look at if the whole will becomes invalid, then the property is just going to be transferred under intestacy laws, which would basically end up giving it to your children or, or, or your parents. So depending on the situation. So you want to write good wills, uh, good will, <laughs> but you also want to make sure that uh, in, in writing the wills that you're, you're putting uh, legitimate language in there. Well, I'm, you know, we're wrapping it up. We hope we gave you enough information. Look like we're going to have to have another one of these um, uh, myths versus truths. My name is Tracy Gordon. I'm the Register of Wills. Don't forget to follow us at P-H-L-R-O-W on social media to stay updated. Again, if you have any questions, 
Give our office a call at 215-686-6250. And remember, when there's a will, your family keeps the power. Thanks for listening to Willpower with the Honorable Tracy L. Gordon. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.